Hi, welcome to today's podcast. Today I'm talking with Harry Knight from Corbett Keeling. Corbett Keeling are corporate finance brokers and they'll work with you when the time comes and the time's right for you to actually exit your business and you want to make that, that transition or the sale. So we've worked with these guys, we like their style, they've got a good approach and they've got a good track record, which is what sets them apart. So I won't steal any of Harry's thunder, I'll just get Harry to introduce himself from here. Harry, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Daryl. Yeah, so I'm Harry Knight. I'm a director in the team here at Corbett Keeling. Bit of history about me. I was previously at EY doing transactions there. Um, worked on some, some, some large transactions, Vodafone Verizon deal, which was $100 billion plus, uh, which, which, which were good for the CV, but, but I, I didn't really enjoy them as much as the owner-managed entrepreneurial type businesses. Um, so, so we covered the whole spectrum at EY. I loved the on, working with entrepreneurs, jumped at the chance to join Corbett Keeling, uh, uh, getting on for six years or so ago now. Corbett Keeling is, is, a, is a boutique corporate finance advisor specializing only in advising owner-managed businesses, entrepreneurial type businesses on exiting their business. We've been around for 30 years. It's, it's, it's what we love doing and, and I guess what we're most proud of um, when, when, when working with these types of businesses are completion rates, deal completion rate. When we kick off with a, with, a, with a client who has made the big decision to sell their business, 95% of the time it results in a successful sale, um, which, which personally is, is what I'm very proud of at Corbett Keeling. Making the decision to sell your business is huge and probably the largest financial decision of, of your life. It's like selling your baby, often, people often say, and, and for it to, to actually happen rather than not is, 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 is what we're all about at Corbett Keeling. And that's not at the um, expense of, of getting the right value. That's equally as important for us. Um, and, 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 and just sort of another stat on that is, is, is that we, we achieve uh, 45% above uh, our, our clients' expectations on value as well. So that's what we're all about at Corbett Keeling. When you make the decision to sell your business, we're here to, to, to make it the reality. Okay. So, and 95%, that, that's a big claim because I hear stories in the marketplace that, uh, you know, like only 40% of businesses actually get to sell. So I guess not all of those, you know, 100% come to a, a corporate finance house, but um, those, you know, that 95% success rate is, uh, you must be doing something special. Yes, it's, it's something uh, that, I, I check every few months to make sure that it is still right, and, and it is. And um, yes, it is, it, is, it is unusually high. And, and I guess uh, probably the reason for that is that we, we understand that selling your business is a huge decision. And, and from our perspective, we, we, we try deliberately, and it sounds quite odd to say this, we, we deliberately try not to take on too many clients each year. Um, so, so, so that the clients that we do work with, we, we, we give them a hundred percent and, and stand shoulder to shoulder with them during the sale process and, 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 and make sure that the, that the, that the deal actually happens. 
Okay. So let's dig into the detail a bit. So, you know, we've got, uh, you know, I'm sure the listeners have got a lot of questions, um, especially if they haven't been through a sale process before. So let's start right off the back with, you know, how long does it take? Once I've, I've made the decision that I'm going to sell my business, I come to uh, a corporate finance house like yourselves. Um, how long does it take on average from, from when I start with you to I actually walk away into the sunset on a sandy beach for the rest of my life? Yeah. Yeah, very good question. It's it's and and as ever, there's there's a there's a range. You know, we we've worked with businesses and 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 completed from start to finish. It was it was two months. Uh, there were some unusual circumstances around that transaction that, that it needed to be done quickly, um, and and they had already been uh, through a through a um, uh, an unsuccessful process before. So they were very sort of ready for it and had all the due diligence information ready. On the other end of the spectrum. Crikey, you know, sometimes two years, um, things crop out the woodwork, um, and and it and it delays everything. So, so you can get a real range there. Um, probably, what what we say, if a business is well prepared, if it's got its ship in order, it's taken a you know, it's stopped, it's thought about it, taken some a few months to to do the steps that that are needed to prepare the business in the lead up to a sale. If at that point you then start the sale process, kick it off six months is what we say. And that's split and, and that's split into three different sections. First two months is preparing the documentation. So that's preparing a business overview document information memorandum, deciding which buyers to go out to. Um, that, that, and, and, and approaching those buyers, that takes two months or so. The second, the second two month period is, is meeting the buyers telling them about your business, maybe a site visit, um, subject to confidentiality, and, and, and then soliciting offers from, from those bidders. And there's a bit of toing and froing, negotiations. You want to get a bit of competitive tension going between the different parties and a sort of auction-type process going to get the highest, um, well, to get whatever you want out of the offer. Some people want highest price, other people want, want more certainty or, or what have you, or chemistry with, with the buyer. The last two-month period is, is you've chosen your your, your favorite, your, your preferred bidder, you've chosen your preferred offer, you go exclusive with them, one-on-one, they start their due diligence in detail, looking under the bonnet, and you draft the legal documentation, and that usually takes about two months, and then you, and then you sign, sign on the dotted line. So two months is best practice. Uh, you slipped something in there, which I'm sure caught the, the ears of a, of a number of our listeners, that if a business is well-prepared, so what is it that you see or you don't see that makes a business well prepared? Because sometimes I hear, you know, talking to corporate finance people that they go, well, businesses approach them um, and they, they just say, hey, look, you're not ready yet. You need to go away and get prepared, get ready for exit and then come back to us. What is it that you guys see that, you know, makes a business or suggests to you that they're not ready? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. there's just too much work to, to be done yet. Yeah, well, it... it could be all sorts of things um you know on the one hand is have you got the information have you got your ship in order on the sort of administrative side of things on the legal side of things is everything in one company or is it spread across different companies you know that will make it less attractive to a buyer if it's spread across five different companies or um and 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 probably probably the single most uh, important factor when when working out whether a business is ready for a sale or not is 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 
have you got a management team who is running the business if you're depending on what your objectives are as a seller but if you're if you're selling your business and looking to transition out of the business the single most important point that, that delays being ready for for a sale process is, is having that team and who, who can run the business you know without you really and um very difficult to do that um Daryl, I'm sure you've, you've seen it time and again. It's very difficult to do that. But as a, from a buyer's perspective, you know, they're, what, they're, what, they're, what they're looking to do is, 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 is to buy the business. And if you're looking to, to, to walk away, they, they need to know that it, it can run without you. Um, I don't know. Daryl, interested to hear from you. What, what, what sort of things do you see? Well, exactly that, you know, do they have their shareholder agreements? Do they have you know, a number of shareholders in the business? Um, is the, the sort of things that we want to tidy up, you know, the shareholder agreements. Um, a big one is, you know, can the business run without the business owners is, is, you know, one of the things, you know, getting them succession ready or exit ready. You know, do we get them out of their operational role so that they're just playing a strategic role in the business? Do they have systems and processes in place so that you know the, uh, it's not reliant on key staff or it's less reliant on key staff, but more about training people to follow the systems and processes? How turnkey is it? They're all, you know, do they have a brand and position in the market? Do they have IP or proprietary product and processes? They're all the things that we look at. And, and obviously, I think the thing that you touched on is the reliability of predicted income, you know, future income is... How, how risky is that? You know, is, it, is it all contracted? Is it, do we have a pattern of increasing income over the years? You know, they're the sort of things that we, we want to put in place and, and clean up their, their, their financial statements so that you know, mm-hmm. you know, the, the salaries, the incomes, they're all clean um, you know, and, and tidy and the, the expenses and the costs of running the business are a true indication of, of the business financials. Yeah, and and the other thing that we we often see is is if a business owner has got a bigger a number in mind for their business, um, and 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 that's that's the condition of the sale. Speak to people like like us. We can give you a, a true valuation of your business, and and often you know if, if it's not reaching that number, then then we we, we you know we we say. To, 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 to maximize the value of your business, spend another year, you know, add a different service or product line, do that extra bit of growth, and, and then you'll be the size and the scale that, that will um, that will deliver the, the number that, that you're looking for. Yep. So you must see a lot of businesses, um, and, and often you see you know, have some experience of selling um, uh, businesses in the same industry. Uh, and, and sometimes you'll see them go for much higher multiples than others. In your experience, what are you guys seeing that, that influence uh, a business achieving a higher multiple than, than what you might call the standard? Yeah, yeah, vital, vital, vitally important point. And um, the single, there's, there's, there's probably over 100 different factors that go into that, that buyers consider either sort of consciously or subconsciously in their head when they're valuing a business. Um, uh, we, we've whittled it down to 80 in, in part of the exercises that we do when, when we kick off with a business, but it's, I'm sure it's more than 100. Um, and and the, the, the single greatest factor is what we call the quality of the future income of the business. That, and, and things that they'll be looking at there is how, 
how how repeatable is the income? Is it contracted? Um, brilliant. Is it on a subscription basis? Places brilliant. Um, how 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 risky is how much risk is there on on future income coming in? Is is there say three quarters of the revenue from one particular client? If there is, then then a buyer will perceive that as 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 a risk and, and will price accordingly. So and, and of course the other factor is, is is the sort of growth of the market in general. So so some of the sort of tech businesses which are on subscription basis in in a fast growing industry tend to be higher multiples and um, other industries where it's where it's more sort of one where the revenue is more, more one-off in nature um, is, is, is perhaps um, discounted more heavily from a buyer's perspective. Ultimately what a buyer is doing is buying the business for the, for the future cash that it will generate under their range. So the more certain they are about the uh, values of the cash generation in the future, the in all likelihood, the, the, the higher the price or the higher the multiple. Yeah. I think one person described it to me really well once, and, and I just remembered it, and they said, Daryl, a business is just another investment. And because it's an investment, it's something in my portfolio, I need to assess it from a risk. It's a higher risk, so I'm expecting a higher return. Because if I don't spend the money on the business, I can invest it in property, I can uh, invest it in the market, I can invest it in bonds. I need to look at it from an investment perspective what's the risk and what's the return. If the lower the risk, the higher I'll pay. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, yeah, look, that's the way to look at it, isn't it? So um, you've got businesses coming to you. How, what do you guys work in any particular industries? Uh, are you know, and do you notice any differences across industries? Yeah, we, we're, we're not sector specialists. We, we, we work across all different sectors. I'm personally a generalist. Um, the way Corp Keeling's model works is that um, we have sort of MNA transaction people in our core team, and and then we we then we've got a number of sector specialists who who work with us on 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 particular deals and particular industries. And these are these are senior people who are immersed in the industry and they know it inside out. They from from a sort of from a seller's perspective. They, they really understand how to present the business in an information memorandum. So they're immersed in it. Um, and also they, because they are, they, they, they live and breathe the industry that they're in, pharmaceuticals or construction, what, what have you, they, they've got their ear to the, to the ground to, and they know who's, who's, who's looking to acquire businesses, who's got money, what their, what their strategic objectives are. So they, they open up a, a sort of pool of buyers that perhaps, um, uh, you wouldn't normally expect so so we see them as hugely valuable to, to our service offering to our clients and and and, and getting the uh, optimal optimal transaction for for our business owner clients okay so that's your secret then you've you've got your in-house generalists and depending on the business the client you're working with you'll you've got a team of specialists who who are associates with your with Corbett Keeling and you know, they bring the industry-specific knowledge, interesting yeah. stuff. Okay. So what about when it comes to the buyer, Harry? Uh, we've got all sorts of different buyers out there. How do we know if it's best to, to sell as a trade sale or is there someone out there who would be willing to pay, you know, would see your, value, your business more valuable to them and pay a higher multiple, pay a higher price than, than a trade sale? What, what are the options out there for buyers or sellers? Yeah. Absolutely. If you want to maximise 
whatever you want out of a transaction. Some people want value. Some people want certainty that it will happen. The best way to do that is to go as wide as possible and, and, and have as much uh, selection of, of, of offers in front of you. Trade can often uh, bid highest because they, 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 they might have synergies with your business, which, which sort of might double the profits from, from their perspective. So, so when they're applying an industry sort of standard multiple to it, they, you know, the, the value is almost double. Um, so it's a trade, trade can often pay higher, but, but that said, private equity, which is another option, um, but uh, tend to sort of leverage their acquisitions um, more highly and, and debt is so cheap at the moment, it means that can, they can often get to a higher number than trade. Um, it's, not, it's not fair to say one always pays higher than the other. We've, we've been going for 30 years and, and we've looked back at what percent of our transactions go to trade, what goes to private equity, and who's, and, and generally speaking, that's, that's because one of them is probably higher. Um, it's pretty much 50-50. I think it was 60-40 in favour of trade. So, so you've got you've got a range in front of you, and of course, there's there's other options that that uh, business owners can can consider. It's you know, if there's a management team who are already running the business and they've helped grow it, and they're and they're there, and and they want to be business owners, often a sale to a management team to your management team can can be a really uh, well an all round a very good option. Um, it it. There's, there's continued leg, um, the legacy gets continued. You, in some ways, reward the employees. Um, there's, there's a good chance that, that type of transaction will, will be successful because there's no third-party buyer coming in. Um, so, so a lot of business owners like that. The, I guess the, the thing to, to weigh off against that is, is how important is it to get all of your cash outs up front at the time of the transaction? You sell to your management team, the chances are then that there will be a significant amount of the consideration deferred over, say, five years or so. And, and the other, the other um, increasingly common sale option is a sale to an employee ownership trust, which, um, which were introduced in 2014. And year on year, they, they become, well, there's more and more employee ownership trust transactions. Yeah, it's becoming employee ownership as, as a, a means is, is becoming a lot more popular. We're, we're seeing that as well. Um, it's a great way for, uh, you know, from what we see, of, of not only having an exit plan, but, but creating a better business along the way of having everyone being rewarded and incent, you know, having incentives for the same thing. It lines everyone up. The, the outcomes are higher profitability, higher product, uh, you know, profits, productivity, I think I'm saying. And, and it's just a better business to be involved in because, you know, people are working for the same cause and they're aligned. Those that don't care tend to get dropped out because everyone's got a, an ownership mindset. We change the culture to an ownership mindset. You know, they they only want to have like-minded people in the business. So yeah, employee ownership is a great way forward. That we're, from what mm. we're seeing as well. So, in your experience, um, you, we've got you know, we've got trade sales. We've got you know, right through to to private equity. I think you're saying it's it's almost split down the middle as to as to which way it goes. You know, 60-40, fifty-fifty. Um, for for business owners who've been running their business 10, 20, 30 years, it becomes a significant portion of their life, and uh, I, I imagine it's quite a stressful period for them. Um, is there anything that you find that 
a they can prepare better and appreciate and know that it you know just what is involved um or b how do we just overcome the stress yeah it's it is it is well it's the said it before it's the biggest financial decision of, of most people's life and 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 then on the emotional side it's it's there's a there's a there's, it's, it's almost like selling your baby so um time and again it's it's like nothing else um it, it, you've got to have an advisor there alongside you and and it's preparation beforehand which which makes such a big difference businesses that are well prepared before they begin the process uh, it tends to take you know closer to the six months rather than the, rather than the two years and so if you have taken the steps to prepare the business and the lead up to the sale then then it 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 runs more smoothly it runs more smoothly and it's less stressful it's still stressful highly stressful especially during the due diligence phase um, and 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 when it comes to a conclusion but the more you prepare the closer you are for six months and the more smooth the transaction is so what you know i think you're you're really bringing the message home the better prepared a business the the less stressful it will be the quicker it will be and they'll achieve a higher price mm-hmm. so yeah, uh, yeah. yeah absolutely and, and and having and having someone who someone alongside you the whole way who's, who's been there who's done it before knows how to deal with these stressful situations someone who can take the brunt of the emotionally charged conversations that happen with with a buyer they always do um but someone who's been there done that before and, and can advise you on 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 how best to resolve the issues that always come up yeah so just it's really that peace of mind and and guiding you through you know that uh, person who's done it before brilliant hey what about the the subject of earnouts um is there anything that you guys see that uh, you know can reduce the chance or the need for a, a long earnout period? Because from our side, one of the things that we see is a lot of business owners um, who have sold their business end up in an earnout period um, and then leaving before that earnout period is is completed and and mm. leaving money on the table. To me, that's something that's avoidable, and you know, it's just so sad after it's you know the, a lifetime's work ends up like a messy divorce. From what you see, how can you, you know, what's your experience around earnouts and, and what have you? Yeah, yeah. Um, so why, I guess the question is, why would a buyer insist on an earnout? Yeah. And probably the reason why they would do that is because they, they have a degree of uncertainty about the future cash generation of the business. So to reduce the, the likelihood of a buyer wanting an earnout or to reduce the, the, the quantum that is associated with an earnout, um, and then it's about increasing the certainty from the buyer's perspective of the future cash generation of the business. So it's contract, you know, wherever possible, getting a contract in place. Some some industries, you know, it's just not the norm. That's fine. But uh, there's other ways of showing it. You know, if you look back 20 years, has that customer come bought from you every year for 20 years? If they have, well, there's probably a good chance that, that they will continue to do so for the next 20 years. So those are the types of reasons why why a buyer might insist on an on an earnout. So so there's there's perhaps way bits and pieces that you can you can work with there. Where it, if as a seller you 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 really do not like the idea of an earnout, then 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 there's other ways of, sort of structuring transactions. It's perhaps the result is perhaps a slightly lower upfront cost, but at least you get it all upfront. 
Um, but the other thing, it, uh, you know, it has to be said, some businesses, some business owners love earnouts. And again, it just depends on how they're structured. Some business owners see so much potential for the future growth of the business. You think, oh, I'm so, the, the buyer is going to get it all. <laughs> and so we get, we get some clients asking for earnouts, and, and I'm working on one at the moment. And it's rather than you know, earnouts, they're calling it a profit share, future right. profit share. So structuring the earn out so that you're doing it on your terms because you want to be there because you're helping the new owner achieve the new profit as opposed to being on their terms where you have to be there because you're the only reason that the, the future income is likely to, to eventuate. So you're there to make sure that that, that uh, revenue comes in while that um, handover period occurs. So it's all yeah, about yeah. doing it on your terms rather than having the terms dictated to you. Being creative with the structure, thinking what works for the buyer, what works for me, and, and something like that. You know, if, if the size of the cake is growing, doubling over the next three years, everyone's happy. The buyer's happy because they're still getting whatever, three quarters or 50% of the profits. But you as the seller are still participating in the future growth of this business that you, you've built yourself. Yeah. Okay. So, look, hey, Harry, that's... You've shared a whole lot of wisdom and knowledge there, and uh, it's it's been amazing. Can I just ask one final question, just to tap in? It, it might put you on the spot a tap, but um, you've you've worked with business owners over a number of years to help them, um, you know, exit their business. You've got a number of business owners from different industries and and levels of experience. Is there one common theme that uh, every time someone comes to you, you thought, look, I wish they'd already done this. I wish they'd had this in place. So a piece of advice that you can give to business owners before they approach someone like yourselves. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, it's um, probably the, 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 the way, to, the, the way to, to, to achieve what you want. And, and it could be anything, but the way to achieve it is is to is to is to work with an advisor and run a run a process, a controlled auction process, where you get as many different offers on the table. Keep open all of the sale options for as long as you you can stomach it. You get I get people coming in and saying, "I will never sell to private equity. They're all sharks. I'm not going to sell to them." And, and, and I'm only going to sell to trade. And we, 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 we try to sort of convince them, just meet one or two private equity. And, and, and they agree to do that. And then sometimes they, they think, oh, actually, you know what? Private equity, they are they're not all sharks, because I'll tell you they're not. There's, they keep the name of the business. There's no sort of problems with chemistry or, or different sort of ways of doing things that sometimes you get with trade. And, 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 and they're, they're, they're pretty aligned with a lot of business owners because what they want to do is grow the value of the business, just, just like a, a lot of business owners. And then on the other hand, you get people who say, who say I, I will never sell to trade, I'll never sell, sell to a competitor. But then actually, you know, when it comes to it, it, it could be quite a nice home for your business. Um, they, they, the, the buyer knows the industry. They might have things that they can bring to your, your employees to, if they become part of a larger, larger organization. They could be... Uh, all sorts of um, sort of sort of growth opportunities for your employees, so they can give give um, give things which 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 private equity can't do. 
So, and, and, and then the last one, you know, selling to your, selling to your management team, people often say, oh, our manage, my management team don't want to own, own the business. They're not that type of people. And then you get sort of, as the process develops, you get the managers coming to us and say, hey, I want to, I want to buy the business. So please, please, please try not to have any preconceived views about what, what you want to do. Keep as many options on the table as possible for as long as possible. And you, when you have the offers in, all in front of you, you can make the, the most informed decision. It's best for you. So prepare, put all of the, the fundamentals in place so that the business is working and it doesn't rely on you. But keep your options open. Keep your options open. And, and get good advice, I think, is what you're saying. Hey, that's brilliant, Harry. Thanks for your time today. I appreciate you sharing your insights. I'm sure we'll speak again. Yeah, thanks, Daryl. Speak soon. Bye-bye.